Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Lance, how you doing today? Doing fantastic, Noah. How are you doing? Doing really well, man. Take everybody through what we got coming up today. Well, we got a lot of picks coming up today, some Saturday selections uh, going on throughout the show. We're going to be looking at our position groups and, and figuring out whether or not they are either ahead of schedule or behind schedule. We went through the offense for Auburn yesterday. Today we're going to do Auburn's defense. We're going to talk about what we expect to see from the Tigers tomorrow. We're going to go through making headlines, obviously, at the start of hour number two. We've got Scott Bagwell on with us in hour number two as well to talk about Auburn High's game tonight. Just a lot of fun things. Friday is usually the best show, and it's a shame that we don't have Christian Clemente here with us uh, today, but it's still always a fantastic show. Christian Clemente, of course, he's at the airport picking up a friend. Hey, ride or die, man. I get it. Go out there, have a good weekend as well, and keep up with all of his content as well at Auburn Sports. Dot com. We'll be back with Christian Clemente next week with us on the line. We're going to have him come in earlier in the week next week. He'll be with us in studio as well. So stay tuned for that next week for future editions of On the Line. If you want to call in, 334-321-1390. Our text line at 334-564-1840. Going to go to where we started the show yesterday, but we only looked at one side of the football Looking at the development trajectory for this Auburn football team at this point and taking it at a position group by position group basis, we looked at the offense yesterday and we're examining and evaluating where these guys are at in comparison to where we think they should be at this point in the year. Are they ahead of schedule? Are they right there on schedule or are they behind schedule right now just in our personal opinions from what we've seen yesterday we looked at the offense there's a position group that I do want to talk about in more detail though on that offensive side of the football before we get to the defense that we did not give due diligence they deserve the love the tight end position group has been phenomenal Absolutely. They are way ahead ahead of schedule based on what we've seen during the Gus Malzahn tenure in terms of production from that position group, right? John Samuel Schenker has been a godsend. He has been fantastic in this offense so far. We've seen him not only play well against bad teams, Alabama State and Akron, but we also saw him catch a few passes against, against Penn State. I believe he caught a 24-yard pass down the seam uh, at some point during that game. It's been fantastic to see him grow as a pass catcher. It was something that you and I talked about a lot this offseason. If Auburn was going to go to the tight end group, which we expected them to, who is it going to be catching passes for Auburn? And at the end of the day, we both kind of settled on Shanker because it's like, well, he's the starter, he's the veteran, he's probably going to get most of the touches. And so far, that's proven true. Now, they get tried to get the ball to Tyler Farham a couple of times over the f- course of the first three games, but John Samuel Shanker has been the guy to that, that Auburn has gone to and he is produced, and I expect him to continue to produce as the season goes on. Christian Clemente, a couple of weeks ago, actually it was last week when we had him on, last Friday said that they like these tight ends a lot, and he expects them to go to them more and more as the season goes on. 
John Samuel Shanker has looked really comfortable with what he's doing out there, catching the football. It's all smooth. I can't think of a time where he's had a drop. That's not to say that he hasn't had a drop, but I can't think of an egregious drop or a play this year where I thought to myself, oh yeah, John Samuel Shanker, he should have made that play. He has made the play every time it has gone his way this season. He has been even better than I could have dreamed. I I just, I cannot say enough about how pumped I am about this position group with what we've seen through the first couple weeks of the season. I think the talent there at that tight end position, talking about John Samuel Schenker and his ability to be consistent, is also complemented by the fact that the play calling is a little bit better. The scheme is a little bit more efficient. Whenever you're going to get the ball to John Samuel Schenker in space, he's going to be in the right place. Not only is he a gifted athlete, but the scheme is going to provide that to him. Like you said, you, you could not in this offense right now ask much more of this position group and specifically from Schenker. Also, we're talking about the receiving game for a large portion so far, but if you talk about their blocking, you've also been able to see John Samuel Shanker play some fullback. You've been able to see Luke Deal out there, Tyler Fromm, these different guys getting involved in run blocking. And you think about the last Auburn touchdown that was scored against Penn State, the toss play to the right pylon, who was out in front lead blocking? It was your tight ends. And they did an excellent job of lead blocking and getting Tank Bigsby into that end zone. If it wasn't for them, Tank doesn't score. I mean, he may still score because we've seen him be able to do some amazing things without an offensive line, but you get what I'm trying to say. They paved the way. So it's even more than just receiving. It's also run blocking. Right, and while fans may say, and this is true, this is very much so true, it's really refreshing to see Auburn use them both ways, right? It's really refreshing to see Auburn actually get them to go out there and run, run routes and actually catch passes, but on multiple plays this season, whether it be sweeps or or tosses or just just generic run plays, we've seen the tight end be a huge factor in terms of where the ball is going and blocking. We saw that on Demetrius Robertson's touchdown run against Alabama State. We saw Shanker out there as the lead blocker got enough of his, it got enough of a block on his man to give Demetrius Robertson the edge. And like you said, we saw it a couple of times during Penn State. So it's been a very versatile group in terms of what they're able to do, both pass blocking, run blocking, and then going out there and actually catching passes all those guys have been playing very well so far this year I'm kind of curious if John Samuel Shanker is doing enough to attract some attention from NFL teams when draft time rolls around of course it's early scouts GMs whoever's out there watching football games right now creating draft reports and whatnot it is way early in that cycle they are just gathering as much information as possible on this year's crop of guys that will be getting set to go to the next level they have not given round evaluations they haven't given grades to these guys they are just compiling a ton of information at this point even towards the end of the season it is still in that time period in the draft window and in the draft process there's still so much more to happen but at this point in a big game John Samuel Shanker through three weeks has put a lot of great things on film for NFL teams to really like yeah, absolutely. And if he continues on the pace that he is on right now, statistically, he will hit over 450 yards receiving at the end of the year. He'll be at 468 if he continues on the pace that he's at right now. So, yeah, absolutely. I think you look at the end of the season as a guy in, in Shanker that could be potentially being looked at by some NFL scouts because, like you mentioned, he's been in the right place at the right time and he's made the catch consistently. 
would expect to see that continue. And like Christian Clemente said a, a, a week or so ago, I only think we're going to see this group, not just Shanker, but this group get more and more involved as the year goes on. It's his versatility that I see that can get him to the next level. If all he did was play tight end, I don't know if that would be enough. I tried to look at his physical ability, not saying that he's not a gifted physical athlete and whatnot, but he's not super fast. He's not slow either, but I think most linebackers could keep step for step with him in coverage, at least in today's day and age where linebackers are a lot smaller than they used to be and whatnot. So I don't know if what he offers NFL teams is necessarily just as a pure tight end. Because you think about the tight ends that go to the next level these days, you think about your Kyle Pitts, you think about your freak athletes out there like Mark Andrews that are giants that also can run, possess good route running abilities, have great hands, they also can block. You think about George Kittle, a six foot seven human being that can still move like that. That's just not a common thing that you see, and it sets those tight ends apart from other guys like John Samuel Shanker. But what sets John Samuel Shanker apart from other tight ends in this draft class he can play fullback and there are some nfl teams that might look to that guess who's carved himself out a role in the nfl chandler, chandler cox. cox yep and i think john samuel shanker maybe offers a little bit more than chandler cox did as he took the step to the next level at that position because of his receiving ability and if you needed to you could move him to tight end that's exactly what i was about to say is i think shinker is a little bit more versatile than cox because he is able to actually go out there and catch him passes i'm not saying that chandler's a a bad athlete i'm not saying that he doesn't have hands we saw him catch a few passes during his auburn career but shinker is more uh more i think he his mold is more like a tight end and he can also play fullback because he's so physical and his lead blocking ability absolutely I think he's definitely a guy that as the season progresses we'll see more and more of and we'll get to see more on tape and I think a lot of NFL scouts will be pleased uh with him and I think he's somebody that could definitely be taken number to call 334-321-1390 our text line at 334-564-1840 we want your thoughts on anything we're talking about today bold predictions we want to hear from you bold predictions for tomorrow's slate of college football games whether that is auburn georgia state if you got bold predictions for that game here on the plains tomorrow or if you've got bold predictions for any other game going on in college football we want to hear from you once again 334-321-1390 or text slide at 334-564-1840 now let's switch to the defensive side of the football and going back to what we opened the show with yesterday looking at each of these position groups where are they in comparison to where you think they should be at this point in the year basically i'm asking you are you impressed are you so-so or are you underwhelmed with what you've seen at this point in the year and we will start with the defensive line where i believe there is a mixed bag of results here with this group some really really good but also some underwhelming I think when you're looking at this group from the surface, if you're combining both the good and the bad, I would say that they're somewhat on pace right now. They're, they're, they're on track because you look at how good the rush defense has been. It's been phenomenal over the course of three games. It's a lot better than it was last year. But the pass rush has just not been there. Again, Auburn third in the country right now in rushing yards allowed per game at 45.7. But the pass rush we saw uh, against Penn State may struggle a few times this season if, if Auburn's not willing to either adjust their scheme or get more bodies going after the quarterback. Would love to see some adjustments made 
as the season goes on. But right now, I think, like you said, I think the way you put it, it's a, it's a good way to put it. It's a mixed bag of results. But I think if you combine it all together, they're on track statistically to be just fine at the end of the year. But I test says the pass rush definitely needs to get better. So going into the Penn State game last week, what did I say about the pass rush that concerned me the most? I don't remember. Gosh, other Lance. Than, other, it, the, <laughs> we were talking about... My wingman, dude. <laughs> the, we were talking about the speed. The speed uh, off the edge, off the correct. Edge, yeah. That's right. And did Auburn really put any of that on display against Penn State? No, and that is something that we... Yes, I do remember. We specifically talked about Colby Wooden and Derek Hall against their two tackles. Would they be able to get around them? And, and Colby the Wooden will line up a lot of times maybe a little bit more to the inside than Derek Hall will in this 3-4 look. He, he might still have his hand in the dirt a lot of times, but when we've seen Auburn get into the backfield, when we've seen Auburn get sacks a lot of time, it is that bull rush, power move into the backfield, just bullying the offensive line and the pocket collapses, which is great if you can do that against better offensive lines in college football. But what's unfortunate here is that did not occur on Saturday against Penn State they did not just take back those human beings into the backfield and slammed them into Sean Clifford like a certain Derek Brown could have right Derek Brown playing defensive tackle through an LSU offensive lineman into Joe Burrow back in 2019 you know those guys were able to do that this defensive line I don't think possesses that ability against the better offensive lines and and honestly you and I going into this game we had major questions about whether or not Penn State could pass protect well because that was not their strength last year I think they really showed out but I still don't think this is one of the best offensive lines in college football by any means I just think it's kind of above average I don't think that this defensive line is going to be able to get home by just sending three or four Mm -hmm. that was shown in the Penn State game on the flip side the scheme doesn't help them that much because they do need it's obvious the personnel needs some extra guys blitzing to give them more one-on-ones but we still didn't see them when those instances did occur we didn't see them winning their one-on-ones that's what's concerning to me at this point in the pass rush we did not see them win many one-on-one opportunities at the line of scrimmage on Saturday. It was inconsistent. And I believe one of our callers pointed this out, which you just said, is that there, whenever Moultrie or somebody would get in a one-on-one matchup, they would just sit there. They wouldn't try and put a move on them. They wouldn't try and spin. They wouldn't try and go under or over. They would just sit there. Just got locked up. And they would just get locked up. So I'd love to see, in terms of technique and coaching, not only do, does the scheme, I think, need to be slightly adjusted whenever Auburn does want to get after the quarterback and get into the backfield, but uh, we need to start working on some of the our, our guys' technique as well. Now, Auburn may end up finishing, and I, and I pointed this out over the last couple of weeks in talking about the pass rush, there are some 3-4 defenses out there that just don't produce a lot of sacks, and they can be excellent run-stopping defenses, which I think Auburn has this year, which is an improvement on last year's run defense. Last year's run defense got pushed around. I don't think that there is a team on Auburn's schedule this year at this point that is going to push this this defensive line and this front seven around. I'll include the linebackers in it. I don't think that there is a team on this schedule right now that I am concerned will be able to easily run the football against Auburn. Will be able to do much better than four yards per carry against Auburn. I'm not too worried about that. Last year, there were teams that would gash Auburn. Need I remind you of the Texas A&M football game last year where it was nearly 300 yards. Even Tennessee gashed Auburn on the ground last year. There were several teams where you could say, man, this defensive line should not be getting pushed around like this, and they were. 
it is improved this year they were able to shut down Penn State with ease Penn State averaged less than three yards per carry I think that will continue into SEC play I don't expect them to get pushed around on the ground the pass rush though and I pointed this out just a moment ago there are a lot of three four defenses that have a hard time getting home just by virtue of the fact that you have more defensive linemen playing in the interior than you do on the outside if you don't have a truly elite edge guy at outside linebacker or someone that's got some real speed and the ability to win one-on-ones with consistency which at this point I don't believe Auburn has that they haven't shown it Derek Hall's fine but what did he do on Saturday against Penn State and I don't want to call the guy out I'm just saying somebody has not yet emerged as the leader you remember those teams in 2017 you had Jeff Holland right you had guys in the middle of Gus Malzahn's tenure that were getting after the quarterback that you would go to and you're like oh yeah that's Auburn's next best edge guy since then you've been looking for somebody to step up Big Cat Bryant didn't do it T.D. Moultrie didn't do it at the time either he's definitely improved this year but you're still looking for that leader off the edge for Auburn that's going to with consistency that that they'll be good for a sack or two a game right maybe not two but they'll at least be putting pressure and will be good for sack a game and that is not happening yet for Auburn off the edge so I don't I, I, I'm, I'm concerned with the pass rush at this point they'll finish in the middle of the pack in sacks there are some three four defenses that end up looking like that Georgia has had some excellent defensive lines that have finished in the middle of the pack in sacks they, they have it's just the nature of the scheme that they're running but what's got to improve in, in response to that then and what has Georgia always been great at the secondary And what's going to have to improve in that symbiotic relationship between the secondary and the defensive line? If the defensive line isn't getting great cover, uh, isn't getting great pass rush on opposing quarterbacks, well, your secondary better be amazing. You better be able to stay in coverage. Yeah, absolutely. And as you mentioned there, the guy that came to mind for me immediately was a guy like Jeff Holland. When you're talking about getting speed off the edge with consistency, if Auburn had a guy like him in this defensive line, I feel like we would feel a little bit better about ourselves. Or Carl Lawson. You know, there there was a string of guys right there. You're like, oh, who's the next guy? Because this has been a really nice run here. And then it just stopped. Yeah. Stopped around 2018. And I don't want to call, like you said, I don't want to call Derek Hall out specifically. And I don't want to knock on TD Moultrie because he has improved this year. But neither, neither of those guys have been able to do it with consistency. And we saw that the entire game against Penn State. So it's definitely I feel like just a little behind schedule there on the D-line in terms of pass rush take me through the linebackers linebackers I would say that they are either on schedule or they are slightly ahead of schedule they've played well Chandler Wooten has played really well for coming back I just don't know how it can get better right I don't think you can get much better than Zacoby McLean Owen Papo and then Chandler Wooten I believe he currently leads Auburn in tackles right now after having 10 against Penn State yeah, they've Wooten all, had a great game. They've all even the backups are getting in. They, guys like Wesley Steiner are getting to play a little bit. I mean, this group has been phenomenal. They they yeah. look incredible. I don't know how you could ask a ton more from them. Now, would uh, would pass coverage be a little bit better? Every linebacker can get better in pass coverage. I think that's that's what I was about to say. Is you you, you expect that from from a lot of different linebackers? But other than that, if you're unless you're nitpicking, I think this group has done a phenomenal job. Defensive back play. What are you thinking? Behind schedule. They are behind Way schedule. Way right behind now. schedule. It has not looked pretty. Thought Auburn had depth at that position. Uh, I'm starting to question whether or not that depth is, is quality 
depth at this point in the season after seeing the way they played against uh Penn State but to be fair just playing devil's advocate here what if Armour was playing what what if Kevin Steele was a defensive coordinator and the scheme was different that's not me saying that I I would like Auburn to have a different defensive coordinator because I think that I don't want people to take that out of context but what I'm trying to say is what if the scheme was different and you were looking at something a lot more that resembled what Kevin Steele did last year in man-to-man you know these guys are good man-to-man corners they did it last year I just have a hard time believing that they lost all that talent in an offseason I don't believe that well let me rephrase I, I I don't feel like this scheme plays to this group's strength and therefore that's the reason why they're behind schedule and they uh in terms of quality depth I don't think you're going to see that quality actually shown in a scheme that is run the way that it is currently. Now, again, like now, could like, these guys get better? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I think there are definitely some things that they can improve on communication, being in the right place. It's not all just on the scheme. I uh, definitely think there were uh, occasionally just in terms of angles, pursuit angles, uh, sometimes uh, defensive backs I saw against Penn State, they would just not take the right angle on a guy and it would lead to extra yardage or just a missed tackle. Uh, it's not all on the scheme. But there is still, I believe, talent in this backfield. I'm not saying, like you just mentioned, I'm not saying that I want a def- another defensive coordinator. We move on from that point. But I would like to see this coaching staff see if they can try and play into these guys' strengths because we've seen them perform in man-to-man situations before. Let's head to a quick break here. When we come back, we will tell you what we expect to see from Auburn tomorrow against Georgia State. We'll give you some predictions coming up on the other side of this break. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Going to head to the phone lines now. We got Terry on the line with us. Terry, how's it going? Great, guys. How y'all doing? Doing well. What's on your mind? Uh, I want to touch on both sides of the ball there a little bit. Listen to what you guys said about the defense. Listen, guys, if we don't find a pass rush, Matt Corral is going to light us up like a Christmas tree. That's right, and it will be uh, Christmas in October. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's what people don't realize, and I don't think he'll be the only one to to do it either. I think I think Auburn's uh, defense could look very average against the pass against a number of quarterbacks. Him and the, the guy at Georgia and. And probably whomever wants to, because the backup quarterback at Akron looked pretty good. Yeah, and you, I, I, I said this just a couple weeks ago. I don't remember if I said it on, on air or not, but you could throw in Mississippi State as well, because all they do is throw short to intermediate passes. You want to talk about carving Absolutely. up a zone? It's not going to look pretty if Mississippi State comes to town and is executing like that, and Auburn still has not made any adjustments. No, if they if they run a zone, Mike Leach will be licking his chops. It'll be it'll be LSU twenty twenty all over again. Because he wants those little seven, eight yard passes all day long. Yeah, it's not. It's not going to look pretty. It will not look pretty there. Like and like you said, there are multiple games uh, throughout the rest of the schedule where I'd be really concerned uh, with Auburn and their ability to hold up if they can't get home. Because right now, as we were just talking a minute ago, Auburn doesn't have a guy off the edge that can get home with consistency and kind of affect the quarterback a little bit. But do you guys think it's a situation where they're just going to have to blitz no matter what? You know, and what I'm shocked about is that Derek Mason blitzed a ton at Vanderbilt and why we haven't seen that so far doesn't make uh I don't see any way around it yeah I really don't Terry what do you think about the offense the offense uh guys I'm just I'm just not a believer in Bo Nix I'm just not uh I don't think the receivers did a whole lot to help the help the kid out Saturday night I think they could have certainly could have played much better I think some of some of the backups need to get more time but I just don't believe here's a guy that's been starting from day one he's not even at the 20 win plateau yet and his road record is, I don't even know what it is, but it's not good, is it? 
It's definitely not good. Yeah, you're 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 spot on there. I I, I think we saw better things from him though on Saturday, um, but oh, still not exactly better. still not exactly where it needs to be at. I, I'm just not a believer in him on the road at all. Now, if somebody calls up says what he did against Alabama State or Akron or will do against Georgia State this weekend, we'll be. And that's not what you're measured by. Uh, I'm sorry, you're measured by championships and wins. And he had, again, he says starting from day one, he's not even at the 20 win plateau. And the guy's a junior. He's three years into his junior season, right? Uh, yes. Yep. So three days, three games in, right? So um, I, I'm just not. I, look, the receivers. I think Auburn should just kept on running the football. Quite honestly, uh, Penn State couldn't stop them. That's right. And and on the fourth down call on the fade, which I did, totally disagree with. Run the ball, and if he doesn't get in, so what? You put Penn State at the half-yard line? Yeah, that's true. Now, the way the defense is playing, the quarterback at Penn State will Dan Marino all over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. and then, uh, I, you know, I'm with you. I would have liked to have seen Auburn go to the best running back tandem in the country a little bit more on Saturday. Now, with that being said, I thought it was a well-called game, aside from a couple of moments like the two fourth-down calls where I think Auburn should have been going for it. Now, now who, are the guy, who are some guys – that haven't played yet due to injury or something like that, that you guys are excited to see. Uh, quite honestly, I'm, because I'm curious. Well, I don't know if we're going to get to see him at this point because uh, and, and it, really that's me pointing towards the wide receiver spot. I'd love to see Elijah Canyon and Xavier Cabers more, but even in Alabama State and Akron, we didn't get, we didn't get to see him hardly at all. So I wonder if, they, if they're married to this group of receivers. I think we'll find out this Saturday against Georgia State because it was not a good performance last weekend. Yeah, I don't want to hate on the coaching staff here. Too. Like, I'm not hating on the coaching staff. I'm just – I would love to know the reasoning behind not using guys like Capers and Canyon because they're two really big physical receivers. I'd like to see them get involved a little bit in this offense. We've seen uh, Shedrick Jackson. Again, I'm not hating on Shed. Uh, I've said this multiple times so far this week. I'm not hating on Shed. Didn't have a great performance last week. I'd, but I'd like to see Canyon or Capers get involved at that position and let him, let them run a streak just to see if they're able to actually go up and get a 50-50 ball. Well, guys, you're talking about the beginning of the show about the tight end position, and I think if you're going to run the fade, why run it? Run it with a six foot six or six foot seven tight end. Brandon Frazier would be cool. Exactly, make him catch it. He's he's a big target. He's good, and he jumps up. He's you know jumps up in the air, sticks his hands up. He's seven feet tall. It's going to be hard to guard against that. And I don't know how big the defensive back was, but it doesn't matter. So you know the guy's going to just fight for the ball. I, I don't know. I don't. Know, I didn't understand the call. I really didn't. Yeah. But again, I'm just going to keep on running the ball. Terry, we appreciate the call, my man. Take care, guys. On the other side of this break, we're going to get to our Saturday selections. We're going to spend the whole segment debating whether or not Notre Dame will beat Wisconsin. That's a joke. But we're going to get to a ton of games here. Uh, stick with us. Uh, we will uh, we'll, we'll view a bunch of different games as well as Notre Dame, Wisconsin, and uh, Missouri Boston College. Stick with us. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on the line, Lance Dawn, Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Like we tease going into the break, about had a stroke there at the end of the commercial, by the way. We're going to do our Saturday selections. We're going to go through a plethora of games uh, through the rest of the show. We've got a few lined up for you here in this segment. I'm currently 31 and 14 on the year. Sting is 31 and 14 as well, Woo. and Noah is 27 and 18. Sting, roll the hot key. Saturday selections. All right, here we go. Sting, Noah, Notre Dame at number 18, Wisconsin. Wisconsin favored by six and a half points. This is an 11 a.m. kick on Fox. College Game Day is going to be there. It's big new kickoff on Fox. 
Sting, I'm going to ask you first, did the Fighting Irish get it done on the road? No, I don't think so. I think Wisconsin's favored for a reason. I think uh, Ches Malusi's going to run all over the Irish. I think Wisconsin wins. I said this yesterday. I'm ready to roll with it. Give me the Fighting Irish on the road in oh, wow. Camp Randall Stadium. This Notre Dame team seems to be playing to the level of their competition. Now, you know, all the execution jokes aside from earlier in the year, I, I think this team is still playing to – they still have lofty goals this year, and they're, and they're trying to get better. We have to remember, this is a young Notre Dame team. They've lost a lot. And each week, I think we've seen them get better in, 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 in different ways. I look at Wisconsin in that first game against Penn State, even in their other game that they played, I believe against Eastern Michigan, their offense is so one-dimensional. And Graham Mertz, we all thought he was going to take a step forward. I don't know if this is the game where he takes a step forward. Also, I'm going to have a hard time picking against Jack Cohn against his former team. One of these squads can stretch the ball down the field a little bit more than the other. And that team, kind of ironically, considering who he used to play for, is Jack Cohn with Notre Dame. The athletes on the defensive side of the football make me think that Notre Dame should be able to contain Wisconsin a little bit. Now, don't get me wrong, Wisconsin's going to move the football, but looking back at that Penn State game two, three weeks ago now, I think that this Notre Dame team can maybe take advantage of some busted coverages downfield, stretch the field a little bit. They'll win a close one. Give me Notre Dame on the road. I think Jack Cohn is going to have a good game in this matchup, but the thing that really concerns me is last time Notre Dame was on the road, they gave up over 230 yards rushing, uh, and that was to uh, Florida State. Notre Dame currently 73rd in the country in rushing yards allowed per game. Wisconsin 10th in the nation in rushing yards per game. Like Sting said, I think Wisconsin's going to control the ground game in this one. I think they're going to slow the game down. If you want to play keep away from Jack Cohn and make sure that, that the, the offense does not take advantage of the, uh, the passing game, I think that's going to happen. I think Wisconsin wins at home. Uh, Y'all know how I feel about Notre Dame. This, so this is, is actually not... <laughs> in Soldier Field. I keep forgetting Soldier that. Field. This is actually in Soldier Field in Chicago. I'm sorry. But, yeah, neutral site. I'm going to take uh, Wisconsin to win this one. Y'all know how I feel about Notre Dame. This was not too difficult. Missouri at Boston College. Missouri is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. This is also an 11 a.m. kick on ESPN2. I believe ESPN's FBI favors the the, the uh, Boston College Eagles by 73.6%. I don't have it right in front of me, but I was looking really? at it yesterday, and it shocked me because it's like, well, the point spread favors Missouri, but ESPN's FBI does not think uh, that the Tigers can get it done on the road. Sting, what are your thoughts? Well, that kind of changes up what I'm thinking. I mean, I, we were talking, I was talking with Noah before the show how – Boston College on, is on their backup quarterback. Uh, Phil Yurkovich is hurt probably for the rest of the season, so I was kind of inclined to take Missouri, but now hearing that ESPN FPI thing kind of makes me a little bit nervous, but I'm going to go ahead and roll with Vegas. I think Vegas knows what they're talking about. Missouri wins. No, ESPN FPI doesn't know a thing. So that Not doesn't make thing. me uncomfortable whatsoever. Missouri conf- all the way, man. It, it confused me because you look at last week's game for Boston College against Temple. The backup quarterback went 5 Not of 13 good. for 34 yards, a touchdown and a pick in four quarters. He threw 34 passing yards in four quarters. Yeah. I'm going to take Missouri to win this game. Next game, LSU at Mississippi State, 11 a.m. kick. LSU favored by two and a half points. This is a game that that shocked a lot of people last year. This is a game that I that think could potentially shock some people this year. Sting, are you taking Mississippi State to do it again? You know what? I think I am. Don't do it. I Bad don't. Idea. I don't like LSU's defense. I believe St- Stingley out. I don't like Sting- anything about Mississippi Stingley, State. Stingley is highly questionable for tomorrow's highly game. Highly questionable. Doesn't matter. All right. 
Doesn't matter. That's a different level of questionable. <laughs> well, yeah, that was gonna, a TV show at one point. Yeah. But you're gonna take Mississippi State yeah, to win. I'm gonna it. go with the Bulldogs. Why? Just because, in your gut? Yeah, it's, I'm it's, riding it's, it's with my gut, gut this week. All right, write it down. Stinks first gut game. LSU, oh, my Mississippi well, State. Well, if we're notating that, my first gut game is Notre Dame, Wisconsin. All so right, I won't, right. that's that's a gut thing for sure. But I'm riding LSU in this one. This is not a gut thing. This is I just think they're better than Mississippi State. I don't know how Mississippi State beat NC State 24-10. to 10. Now, granted, one of that was a kick return, so really they only scored 17 on them. This Mississippi State offense is not good. It's not. They can't stretch the field. Everything is is very close to the line of scrimmage. Their quarterback really doesn't have a whole lot of zip on the ball with Will Rogers. Extremely accurate. It's hard not to be accurate at that Mike Leach system. It's very easy passes. A lot of screens, a lot of crossing routes. LSU's got better athletes. They want this one bad because of last year. And you still have to remember, who had the better season last year, LSU or Mississippi State? LSU did. Right. This LSU team went in a much, much quickly, much, much quicker than Mississippi State. They improved than State did last year. In fact, State went in a really poor direction after that game. If it wasn't for destroying Missouri at the end last season. And granted, it is a new year, but I don't think Mississippi State's that much better. And I, I do think LSU, although they did lose to UCLA, and I still think Auburn should expect to beat them next week in Death Valley, uh, I think LSU's a better football team. Some simple numbers here. Mississippi State is currently last in the SEC in passing yards allowed per game. LSU averages over 300 yards passing. Like you said, LSU's a more talented team. This is a revenge game. Mississippi State's offense, inefficient, last in the SEC in plays per drive. They'll defend for you. Exactly. Uh, I think that LSU goes in there, and like you said, simple. I think they're the more talented team, and I think they want this one a lot more. I think LSU is going to go in there, and they're going to cover, which is not hard because it's a two-and-a-half-point spread, but I'm saying I think they win by a touchdown or more. Take me through the next game, man. It's out to Texas. Texas Tech at Texas. Texas is favored by nine. It's another 11 a.m. kick on ABC. Got a lot of really good 11 a.m. kicks uh, this this week. Some good matchups. But uh, the Longhorns favored by nine at home. Sting. Any potential for an upset here? No, I don't think so. I think Texas is a lot more talented than Texas Tech. I was surprised to find that they're 3-0. and And I do like I do like their coach, Matt Walsh. But I think I think Texas is still kind of mad about what happened at Arkansas. I think they have way better athletes than Texas Tech does. I think Texas wins. Quietly beat Rice last week 58-0. Did Arkansas do that? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Texas is better than Arkansas. Book it. I'm joking. Uh, Texas over Texas Tech. Nine-point favorites at home. 11 a.m. ABC. Yeah, give me the Longhorns. Yeah, I agree. There's not, not much to say here. Uh, although I will say I'm surprised that uh, Texas Tech has been able to go through and over the course of these first couple of games. I'm curious to see how Texas defends them is to see whether or not points are scored because Texas Tech's putting up some points here early and they've been able to do it against pretty much any Big 12 opponent that they play. The offensive's not the problem there. It's the fact that they'll give up 80 points a game, you know? So that's the... That's the situation you're looking at here, but I'm, I'm curious about this Texas defensive, where it's at versus Big 12 opposition, to tell us whether or not this this Texas team will avoid the tra- the proverbial traffic cone that we have called Big 12 teams for for Oklahoma and Texas teams that they should not be losing to. I believe Texas Tech's quarterback is the uh, former uh, Oregon Oregon quarterback transferred over the Shuck. Yep. Shuck, yeah, Tyler Shuck. Uh, would be fun to see him uh, get it going against the Longhorns, but I'm going to take Texas at home. Probably the game of the the, the week, Texas A&M at, against Arkansas in Arlington, technically. Yeah, this is more of a home game for A&M. This is technically more of a home game for A&M. Eh. Five and a half point really. favorites are the Aggies. Sting, 
Are you picking Arkansas to pull off the upset? I am going to take Arkansas. I've been low on Texas A&M for pretty much the entire offseason. I know you guys have been too, and so far they've just not impressed me. I really would have thought they would have put up more points, uh, more than 34 points against New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Haynes King isn't there. He wasn't very good in his limited time anyway. They played terribly against Colorado, and I think Arkansas is rolling. So I'm going to go with the Hogs. Guys, I'm bailing. You're bailing? No. What? <laughs> Gut game. I've been feeling bad about this all week, man. Oh, no. I've been feeling bad about this all week. I know I've been talking this game since the offseason that Arkansas will pull this upset. Also know that I, I've said that probably a couple of times this week, but internally I've not felt good, and I have learned from telling my gut to shut up. I I, I do think Texas A&M is going to win this football game, but I will break it down with some football here. A&M's defense is legit. It is still a good unit. They may give up some yards on the ground against Arkansas, but can Arkansas truly throw on this secondary? I don't think so. I I don't think that'll happen, and I also don't think they'll be able to push around Texas A&M like they did Texas. There's a different level of physicality there in the trenches for for, for Texas A&M versus Texas. I I think maybe a couple of mistakes there from K.J. Jefferson in the passing game could cost Arkansas this one. You just look back at that Colorado game, and Colorado couldn't do anything in the passing game. Now, granted, their quarterback's a lot worse than K.J. Jefferson. The Colorado football team's a lot worse. They were able to run the ball a little bit, but one-dimensional teams I don't think are going to be able to be enough to beat Texas A&M. Calzada looked impressive last week. Granted, it was against New Mexico, but... You, you you know that and I've talked about this in the NFL because you know Justin Fields is starting against my Cleveland Browns and you can see a lot of times when a quarterback gets their first start sometimes they show out because you don't know what to expect there aren't a whole lot of trends you don't know what to expect now granted this could be a very simple game plan that Arkansas could not struggle to, to stop but I, I just have a feeling about this game that the Texas A&M defense is going to be able to hold Arkansas at bay, maybe hold them to like 17 points, and then A&M is going to be able to find just enough against Arkansas, get 20 or 21. I'm thinking a low-scoring ball game here, which is not characteristic of this matchup traditionally in Arlington. This has been a high-scoring affair. Something about this, though, I do not want to overreact to Arkansas kicking Texas's can up and down the street a couple of weeks ago. I, I don't want to overreact to that, so I am going to go A&M here. The concern for me for about a week now has been whether or not A&M's defense is going to be able to actually go in there and dominate as they have the, the, throughout the course of this season so far. But I'm not going to trust whatever my gut says. I'm going to go into this one blind. I'm still going to pick Arkansas to win this game. Look, A&M's 87th nationally in rush defense so far this season. Arkansas, what do they like to do? Control the ground game. What does your gut say? My gut says I think this is going to be close, and I don't like the fact that A&M's defense is good, but I'm picking <laughs> Arkansas. So, yeah, I, it, that at least makes me feel a little bit better about where I'm at. I really – and uh, I completely it's gonna with, be a good game completely without talking to noah by the way i like i've had very similar thought thoughts yeah, throughout this there's week. a disturbance in the force but i'm going to pick arkansas just because i just i, I like this upset pick picked it in the offseason it's almost a little too trendy though you know what i'm it saying it almost is yeah like it, now it's now it's like me and you were on it before it was cool now it's gotten cool i'm off of it i'm on yeah. to the next thing and it's yeah. the texas a&m defense okay that's the new fad but really uh, no, but in this game, <laughs> yes, you know, I'm, I'm trying to start something, but A&M's five and a half point favorites too, and I I don't know. I mean, this, I just think they're going to be able to scheme enough for Zach Calzada to do enough against Arkansas. I just don't believe this Arkansas team is as good as people think they are. I don't believe it. 
I think they've got some good players, and I think they are better than they were last year. I just don't believe that they're better than the best talent in the SEC, which not saying that A&M is the best, has the best talent in the SEC, but they are one of the most talented teams in the SEC all across the roster except quarterback. If Arkansas wins this game, will you be willing to come in on Monday and open the show with a Sam Pittman yes, sir? <laughs> or a, or a Woo Pig Suey? Woo Pig Suey, yeah, I'd be down for that. But, uh, you know, no, I wouldn't because uh, I just... Put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> there is no money here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But I, I, this, I'm trying to make up some ground, too, but I actually really do believe. I think Texas A&M is going to win on Saturday. Next game, Clemson at NC State. The number nine Tigers are favored by 10 on the road. This is a 2.30 kick on ESPN. Is there any shot for NC State in this matchup, Sting? Man, I want to. I want to take NC State. I want to. They've they've had a lot of a couple of really close games with Clemson in recent years, and I feel like this isn't it. They're probably the second best team in the Atlantic, at least off the top of my head. But I just I don't know. Boston College with no quarterback maybe better than what NC State did true. against Mississippi State. And, two and weeks they did ago. lose to Mississippi State, so that that's bad. Yeah. So I, I can't I can't get on board with the Wolfpack. I'm gonna take Clemson. I do. I. I don't really like what I've seen from Clemson so far, but I, I think they're better than NC State, so I think they'll win. We all thought the Atlantic was going to be some like good division after the first it's week. Terrible. That is, yeah, that mm-hmm. is not the case. But then again, maybe Louisville's getting better. I don't know where Syracuse is at at this point, and then um, I don't think Syracuse is lost yet. Wake Forest is three and zero. They have a big game tonight on the road at Virginia. If they win that game, I'll start. I might be getting close to putting Wake Forest in our own on the line poll because. Wake Forest would have a shot. I wouldn't be shocked if Wake Forest were, were to upset Clemson later on. They can score. But to, to what you guys are talking about with this game, does NC State have a shot? I don't think, after what I saw two weeks ago against Mississippi State, I do not think they will be able to put up more than two touchdowns on Clemson. You need more than two touchdowns to beat Clemson. Not that they're going to throw up 30. Clemson may only score like 21. But you you need more than two touchdowns. And I don't think at this point in the year, this early, I don't think the Clemson defense is going to buckle just yet and cause an upset. This is also, too, trendy of an upset pick for folks out there that are down on Clemson for Clemson, in my mind, to lose this game. Ten-point favorites, I'll take them. Syracuse, I believe, lost to Rutgers earlier in the year. But, yeah, Wake Forest right now, 3-0. and Could be getting close to the, to the online. They beat knows? Virginia tonight, which I don't know if they will. Virginia threw up a lot of points on North Carolina Threw up 39. I don't see why they wouldn't be able to do that at home or something similar to that at home against Wake Forest this week. Some points are going to be scored tonight. And Bronco Mendenhall always has well-coached teams. He's really elevated that Virginia program. Wake Forest, too, though. Sneaky. Very sneaky. Even though Clemson is not playing very well right now, after seeing the way that NC State played against Mississippi State, I can't pick them to win this game. Not not with Clemson's defense still being as good as it is. I'm picking Clemson this in this one. Final pick here before we get to break. Rutgers at number 19, Michigan. Wolverines are favored by 20 and a half points. This is a, is a uh, 2.30 kick on ABC. It's really surprised. Rutgers is currently 3-0, and and I believe, and one of y'all may correct me if I'm wrong, these are the only two teams in the country to have not turned the ball over yet this season. So, you would really? know that, not me, Sports Almanac. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> impressive. I, I love that Rutgers is 3-0. and They might actually have something, but I don't think they can get it done against Michigan. I do think the line is a little bit too big. It's 20 and a half last is I it? checked. That's is it? I, I don't know. It might not be. That seems like a lot. I don't know. I Maybe mean, look not. at what Michigan did to Washington, though. 
Washington's not very good. I think, yeah, but I think Washington Rutgers would be a pretty darn good football game. It I might. really do. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to take Michigan. I'm, the ultimate playoff match. <laughs> <laughs> I, Washington's not good, but I do think that they're also think from the little bit that I have watched over the last two weeks, I do think they are getting better since that Montana game that they lost. I'm taking Michigan. I don't know if they cover, but I do think they win by something along the lines of 17. It'll be close. I don't think that that line's too far off. This game is going to be played in the trenches. Who is better in the trenches? Michigan. And it's not close. These guys are going to put the ball on the turf. They're going to run the ball. And they're going to control that clock. It may be, you know, an old-fashioned Big Ten type football game. It could be, you know, 24-7 to type of ball game. But I think Michigan controls this. Rutgers still not quite ready to take the next step. Blake Corum, the Wolverines running back, number one in the nation in all-purpose yards per game, number one in rushing touchdowns, and number one in total touchdowns. It's a Blake Corum flex game. I think Rutgers uh, does not have a shot in this one. I think Michigan wins and potentially haven't played anybody either. It's been a really easy schedule for Rutgers out of the gates. It's not like they've been. It's not like they've done anything to get my attention just yet. Now, if they were to compete in this game against Michigan and it was close, even if they do lose, it may be a bowl eligible team at the end of the year. But at this point, I haven't seen anything out of Rutgers to tell me that they are going to make this one particularly close. I will say, though, the fact that Rutgers has managed to win three games so far this season is impressive. On the other side of this break, we wrap up our number one of the show. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Wrapping up hour number one here. Just got a couple of minutes left before we get out of here for hour number two. Just finished up some Saturday selections. I'm putting it on the line this week, guys. I've got some gut games that I'm going with. Some some games that you guys, you know, we're, we're splitting some hairs this week. I like it, though. This is one of the quieter schedules we've gotten up to this point. This may be the worst week of football that we've gotten through the first now four weeks of the season and uh i'm I'm gonna ride with some upsets you know why i'm I'm, I'm going to ride with some upsets today because through the first three weeks five ranked teams have lost every single week so far we've already got two because we've called two ranked versus ranked matchups there you go (laughs) you're putting it all all on the line no pun intended that's well yeah pun intended for sure uh there's always puns intended with on the line but uh what three games are most important to you guys we'll we we don't have time to to name all three but what's a game of particular interest for you tomorrow in terms of importance yeah it's auburn auburn georgia state for me as a a fan i'd love to see auburn go out there and rebound and work on some of the things that were issues against penn state sting what's a game of particular interest for you because for me it's not auburn i think it's a&m in arkansas and i think it's because the result of that game i think is going to tell us a lot about the sec west and how the rest of the season goes for that division i agree with you that's a game that i'm looking at also lsu mississippi state just to be different i want to know if lsu's really improved since what happened against ucla not that mississippi state and, and ucla hold a candle to each other at this point i think ucla is still a better football team than mississippi state but I want to see, like, does LSU run away with it? If LSU just smacks Mississippi State, you know we're all going to be sweating bullets coming in on Monday. Oh, yeah. You know it's true. I may pick Auburn to lose. Who knows? Uh, I, well, <laughs> I am wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to that if LSU looks really good on Saturday. And then, of course, like, like Sting said, A&M Arkansas, this is where I think Arkansas's bubble gets burst. It was short-lived. The dream was alive. Two weeks later, burst by the conference opponent and you see their next like four or five games they're just as brutal as auburn's do and they, it's and it's they're all teams better than texas a&m do they make a bowl game is, is a question i think we'll be asking here in a couple weeks because they play georgia Ole miss and auburn over there over the next three games in that order so good luck with that 
And I, I think this is where the bubble gets burst a bit for Arkansas here early on. That's it for hour number one. Hour number two coming up on the other side of this break. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7500. Hour number two of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 1067 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. Lance, solid hour number one. Yeah, absolutely. You got to do some picks, got to talk about why Notre Dame's going to lose by 50 to Wisconsin. That was fun. Talked about what we expect to see from Auburn tomorrow. Talked a lot about John Samuel Schenker and his progression as a player for Auburn. And again, if you missed any of it, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Going to go ahead and move on to our making headlines segment here. Got some interesting headlines before. This is not on the docket for today. I just want to throw it out there because it is a headline that I saw before we went on air. Bo Nix finally made some t-shirts. He is focused. He is having fun. Take me through that. You know more about that than I do. I don't have it pulled up right in front of me, but uh, I believe the majority of of the proceeds are going to, to a couple different charities. Uh, the shirt literally just says focused, having fun on it. He's also selling hoodies as well. Uh, it's just a it's it's a really good business move for Knicks in my opinion. Uh, it's and, and and the shirt looks great. I'm definitely gonna buy one here uh, before uh, before the end of the day. He said that the uh, that the um, the proceeds are going to two different places. The first place is uh, let's deal with ALS GoFundMe, the one that Nick Brom started. Uh, Luke Deal started as well just a uh, couple of weeks ago. Second place is Mercy Mercy uh, Deliverance Ministries. Uh, for uh, tackling food insecurity by bringing healthy food to people who live in food deserts here in Alabama. So, really good stuff from Bo Nix there. I just thought that, even though it wasn't on the docket, I just wanted to throw it out. I like that. There we go. Good stuff, man. Focused, having fun. I like it. Dark horse for uh, for uh, bringing not. light to the world. Oh, yes. Okay, I thought, I thought you were about to say for the Heisman. I was like, definitely not. <laughs> Another headline here. The Panthers beat the Texans to advance to 3-0 Thursday night football last night. Is this a legitimate three and zero? Are the Panthers legitimate? Are they playoff cal- uh, playoff caliber team? It's hard to say, it's hard to tell at this point in the year. Um, you you look at the Panthers and they haven't played a tough schedule at this point. They played the Texans, they played the Jets, and then last week they played the Saints, who also looked like one of the worst teams in the NFL last week. Of course, so they haven't played a tough schedule. Jameis Winston's been very boomer bust here through the first two weeks. So it's hard to really take a whole lot of credence in how they manhandled the Saints last week. But starting off 3-0 and is a, you know, it's a good start to get to the playoffs. On a 17-game schedule now this year, 3-0, and these are three games that they, I think, could go into the year. At least two of them, they could have gone into the year and said, we want to win these. And then we have to win these. And then you also say, well, they upset the Saints, so there's one that they shouldn't have won. 
So I don't think at this point, I think it's too early to tell if they're a playoff team, but they are doing everything that they need to do and then some to be able to put themselves in the conversation for an extended period of time. Well, you look at their next six games, and I think there's definitely some favorable matchups here. First game, though, you're on the road at the Cowboys next week. Then you get the Eagles and the Vikings back-to-back home games on the road against the Giants, the Falcons, and then at home against the Patriots. I think if they are going to build up some momentum and build up some steam, they can definitely take four or five of those six games. The thing is, in the past, I have seen the Panthers go like 6-0 and to start the year and then lose all the rest of their games, mm-hmm. you know? So it's it's a mixed bag. It definitely does get tougher as the year goes on because then you're playing the Cardinals, Washington, the Dolphins, Bills, Bucks. I mean, it, it, the, the schedule does definitely get tougher uh, as as the, uh, the year goes on. Another headline here, uh, sticking with the Panthers, unfortunately, yet again, Christian McCaffrey is dealing with an injury for the Panthers. Uh, RIP to anybody that drafted this guy in fantasy. It's every year, though, right? Like, there comes with a major risk there when you draft Christian McCaffrey in fantasy, and you hate it because he's one of the most fun players to watch in football. He really is. Undersized, there were some major questions about the guy going to the league, but he has flourished. Even even through all the injuries that he has fought through, he has flourished as a football player in the NFL, and it centers around his versatility, his ability to catch, catch passes out of the backfield. He's, he's a defensive coordinator's nightmare. And instead of running with a traditional running back, it seems they're going to stick with guys like Tommy Trimble, uh, who got to uh, uh, tight end for the Panthers, who got to run in a touchdown. Former Notre Dame player, by the way. A lot of people don't know that. But moving on here, and brighter news for so you don't like him owners. No, I think I think it's great that he got the score. I mean, I'm not going to actively root against the guy, but but you don't like Notre Dame. I don't like Notre Dame. It doesn't mean I hate him as a player. I'm glad he got the score, but. Another uh, another headline here and brighter news for uh, fantasy owners: Odell Beckham Jr. is finally ready to go yeah! for, Clemson, or for the for the uh, Cleveland Browns. He's not on my fantasy team, but yeah, let's go. <laughs> is he uh, is he going to be the probably the the leading receiver for the Browns when he comes? Jarvis back? Landry or, is hurt, so it's possible that he could just fit into that role. That's what I was about to say. Is, is with Landry out, uh, it, it's definitely a, a good sign for Cleveland. They're going to need all the the help they can get but to be fair there are tons of other guys who can catch passes for the browns that are doing a good job in landry's absence anthony schwartz i would love to see he was pretty non-existent last week he was but again i just i would love to see an auburn receiver stand out outside of slayton on a team that actually has playoff aspirations yeah would love to see an auburn player make that but i don't think it's out of the realm of possibility tomorrow for odell beckham jr to be the leading receiver you're going against the Chicago Bears. They've been great at stopping the run, not great at stopping the pass, giving them the high 200s and pass yards per game. With no Jarvis Landry, more than likely, you're looking at Odell Beckham Jr. as your leading guy out there. I have a hard time believing that Rashard Higgins is going to be the leading receiver or Anthony Schwartz. Those, just, those two guys really have not been go-to guys at any point. And then you've got players like Donovan Peoples-Jones down the line. All these guys are serviceable targets, but I just have a hard time believing that any one of those guys will be a leading receiver in this game over at Odell Beckham Jr. Even if he is coming back off of a massive injury that took him out for a very long time, took him out for over a year. The thing is, you talk about what Kevin Stefanski said this past week during the press conference and whatnot. He seems to be confident in Odell. And there's one word that you could use to describe Odell across his entire career in the NFL or across his entire college or football career, high school football career, whenever he's been playing football, it's confidence. And so I think Odell's going to go out there and play hard and, and, and honestly play very well. I think it's great for the Browns offense to finally uh, get him back. Sticking in the, the, uh, the NFL here, another headline here, Justin Fields making his first start 
for the uh, Chicago Bears against the Cleveland Browns. You left out the unfortunately that I wrote down. <laughs> I think I think that it's going to be definitely an eye-opening ex- experience for Fields. I'll as as uh, see, but as a Browns fan, I don't want to see this guy step out there and torch my team in his first start. I That's what scares me. Because Matt Nagy exists, I don't think that's very going possible. to happen. But with that being said, I think that um, I think you look at some quarterbacks out there, first times that they've stepped out, it's just hard to pinpoint tendencies and trends for them. And it's very difficult to zero in on those things when you have no film in the past, and it allows those guys to succeed. You even look at Davis Mills last night. He wasn't great. He had a touchdown and no picks, though managed the game for the Texans of course they only scored nine points lost by two touchdowns I think that's just a matter of there's a lot of things that he can't do yet but there there, you just see a lot of instances of a a guy making his first start ever in the NFL and then they just torch the other team then the next week they're awful so but last week Justin Fields was not good against the Bengals I think he came away with an interception no touchdowns a handful of yards it wasn't great for Justin Fields but now they've got time to game plan for him to build an offense around him so I'm, I'm a little concerned yeah, uh, I, I definitely think, like I said, this is go- even though there are concerns, sure, I think that Justin Fields, it's going to be one of those welcome to the NFL moments. And you mentioned Davis Mills. I was trying to get to our next point here on the docket, but I was I was scrolling so far and just half the page was taken up by Davis Mills' neck. I mean, it, it is it is <laughs> massive, dude. Have you seen pictures of that guy? He is like, whoa, like the the, the so, size of this man. You know neck. what's funny? So you know, like. If you go into NF, if you go on ESPN.com and you look at players, they have you know the little circles mm-hmm. that they put their their picture in. Most of these guys have their shoulders in the picture or their collarbone or something like you can see where their shoulders are. Mm-hmm. It's just his neck and his head. That's it. It's wild. <laughs> I mean, a couple of guys are like that, of course, but I mean, like I'm looking at all of these players on on last night, Carolina Panthers, Houston Texans, and it's got all the leaders here: mm-hmm. passing yards, rushing yards, and receiving yards. Davis Mills is the only one whose shoulders I cannot see in that picture. And I'm not hating on Mills. Like shout out <laughs> it's to all, him for throwing all, a touchdown. It's just all in good fun. Yeah, that's right. Atlanta Braves frustrated with this team right now they're Uh, holding on only ahead of the Phillies by two games after losing to the Diamondbacks yesterday boys and I'm talking to the Braves what are we doing it's almost playoff time like come on well they're playing the Padres right now doubleheader and uh you know that things are that it's suspended right now for for whatever reason I'm on ESPN.com looking at it and it's 5-4 Padres and then uh, it says it says it's set to resume today or something like that. Maybe this is from a previous rain game. I, I, I'm not. I'm not sure. But this is. It, it's. It. The Braves are definitely in a situation where they need some wins in a hurry. And they to to not be able to get all four against the uh, the Diamondbacks. I know it's hard to ask a team to sweep a four game uh, series, but against the Diamondbacks, it was definitely possible. And you need every single win that you can get. Uh, heading into the final stretch here and that did not help Atlanta one bit so what I'm looking at right now on ESPN.com says that this is from a previous game back in June or or July when these two teams last played Mm -hmm. and the game will resume on today's date September 24th and the article says that the game will be picked up from where it left off and it will be a seven inning game so they're going to pick it up from the bottom of the fifth inning and go from there, and the Padres have the 5-4 to four lead on the Braves. There's a doubleheader there today. So the Braves, it would be great for them if they could bounce back in that game and take it over the Padres. And then, of course, they play again tonight at 9 p.m. on ESPN. And again, you got to have every single win that you can get because you look at the Phillies right now, only two games behind, 
beat the Pirates yesterday. They've got three more games against the Pirates. If Atlanta doesn't find uh, find some ground quickly, you're looking at that series right after the Pirates and the Padres. Atlanta playing Philly. That that's going to be. I think it's going to decide the uh, the uh, the division. Uh, for Atlanta that's going to be a really really big series I wouldn't be shocked if the division's tied going into that Philly series yeah but but at least it's in your hands I think the Braves once again have put this put themselves in position the analogy going into this week was they're up by three in a football game they were they were behind early they got back in front after making a comeback it's like they got down by two scores early in the first in the first quarter bounce back now they take a three a, a, a three-point lead into the fourth quarter they've it's in their hands right now but unfortunately the other team has the ball and you got to get a stop get the ball back go and put the thing away another headline here chris pratt got announced as the uh, voice for super mario i'm kidding but seriously though like out of the blue in terms of casting for that this come from for that movie there's a movie yeah they're coming out with uh with a uh movie illuminationist the people that made the minions they're coming out with a super mario brothers movie uh, an animated film and they just announced the casting yesterday uh, Seth Rogen is Donkey Kong. Jack Black is Bowser. Chris Pratt is uh, is Mario. Charlie Key is Luigi. It's Have just, you guys seen the original Super Mario Brothers live action movie from the nineties? No, I haven't. It's insane. It's, it's nightmare fuel. <laughs> it's I had awful. no idea. <laughs> nightmare fuel. Don't I subject had... yourself to that. If you're listening, don't go. No, it's don't. so awesome. His don't name go, is Mario. Not... Mario. <laughs> don't, don't. And he says that. Don't put yourself through that. I have another headline. Reggie Bush, USC. We're going to stick to sports here. <laughs> Reggie Bush says that Deion Sanders, primetime, should be the next USC head football coach. It's just not. I would love to see that happen. There's just not enough uh, from from Sanders at Jacksonville State. I think yet to Jackson prove, State. Jackson State. I'm sorry uh, to prove the jump uh, to that level. I mean, it would be cool. It'd be fun, uh, but going three and nine would also not be fun. So. Four and three last year, tied for second in the SWAC, and then this year he's two and one, one and up. Six and four as a head coach so far through ten games at Jackson State. Four and two in conference record. I don't know if this is what Reggie Bush was alluding to, but I could definitely see the recruiting pull there for Deion Sanders in LA. My question does still center around. We've only seen him in ten games. Uh, where is the, the we we don't we just don't know enough about his his ability to manage a program and develop players and sustain a program right you just don't get that in ten games you need to multiply that by about three or four to really get some knowledge of this guy's ability to manage and sustain a program yeah I'm sorry I'm gonna need to see him actually either coach at a group of five school or another half decent power five school before I give him the head coaching job at USC it's just that's a really really big jump do you see Thibodeau, the defensive lineman at Oregon, yes. starting his own cryptocurrency. Yeah, I believe it's called Dream with a J. Interesting. Is that how you pronounce that? I don't know why he didn't go with Thibodeau. That would be <laughs> that would be fantastic if or, he did something like that. Or Thibodeau, but spell it D-O-U-G-H. You know, that, like money that's is fantastic. Dough. I was Thibodeau. just thinking that. That's oh, fantastic. Well, you didn't say it. Bro, I, I know. It. I had another one um, that, that was also a play on words with Thibodeau, but... Yeah, there you go. So Tibidoge. <laughs> that's fan that's fantastic. Yeah. Why did he not? Gosh, there were so many things you could do with that name, bro. <laughs> for 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 cryptocurrency. That's funny. Yep. So there you have it. That is our making headline segment. When we come back, we go back to Saturday selections and make some more college football picks.
Back on the line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. I'm going to be honest, guys. I went during the commercial break to look up that 1993 Super Mario Bros. movie. And he loved it. No. What? (laughs) I told you not. It's like, no, it's just not pleasant. Man. There were some Batman movies, too, from back then too where i was like what in the world am i looking at doesn't it make you just want to take a bath don't doesn't it just feel nah i'm not i'm not to that point i'm I'm, look i'm a little intrigued i kind of want to see what what's going on but it is nightmare fuel you are right it is nightmare fuel (laughs) it's not a good time no all right let's get back to saturday selections saturday selections all right, we got another handful of games to get through right here before our interview with Scott Bagwell coming up at 2.30, Auburn High School play-by-play announcer. 3:30. Yes, 3.30. Yeah, thank you, Sting. Show flies by really fast. It really does. Number 14, Iowa State at Baylor. Cyclones favored by 7, 2.30 p.m. Fox. This one's a tough one, all right, because Baylor is 3-0. I will take the Baylor Bears at home to beat Iowa State. Woo. I don't like what Brock Purdy is doing right now. Do I trust him in a road environment? How do you look last week? Uh, blowout win over UNLV. How do you look? I can pull it up for you real quick. But he's not played fantastic so far this season. Do I trust him to get it done against an undefeated Baylor squad? I don't know. I like the Bears at home. We talked about this, I believe, a couple days ago, and I don't have the stats in front of me, but we did have some numbers to kind of back that up. Um, but a lot but, of points. A lot of points right now. I think a lot of yards too. I think that uh, I think that Baylor's going to come away with this one. Sting. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Iowa State. I don't, I don't care that Baylor's undefeated. I don't care that they're at home. I think Iowa State's gonna win. I, I, I like Brees Hall. I don't know how much they're using him exactly this year. I don't know why they wouldn't be using him a lot. I, I think Iowa State's gonna win. I'm gonna take Iowa State as well. Yeah. My reasoning for that, in like just internally, my gut once again, like I, I want to pull the trigger on this, but Baylor has not played a single team yet of quality. Best team they played is Kansas. I think you can say at this point and. So I think the offensive numbers may be inflated a little bit. I think they still have a good offense. I don't think the defense is going to be much better than average. Honestly, Iowa State just needs to protect the football. If they protect the football... It's what killed them against Iowa. That's right. If they protect the football... And they moved the ball, too. They put up over 370 yeah, yards they, they on they outgained them. Iowa. They did, by a lot. They doubled them. They doubled mm-hmm. them up. Iowa only had a, 178 yards... I think Iowa State has quality. I just they're not as good as they were last year, and that's hard to believe considering they have like 20 starters coming back. But I will take the Cyclones on the road. I, I think defense will travel, just protect the football, and they ought to be all right. It, it, it could be close though, so I'll, I'll ride with Iowa State. Brock Purdy on the year 625 yards passing, three touchdowns, three picks, and all three of those touchdowns came against uh, UNLV this past weekend. Yeah, it was it was bad looking through the first two games for him, but. He at least did bounce back last week. It'll give me a little bit of confidence going into this game. Number 24, UCLA, four-and-a-half-point favorites over Stanford, 5 p.m. Pac-12 Network. This may be me picking the wrong upset in Baylor, Iowa State. This could be the game that I'm, I'm not looking at properly. I'm going to pick UCLA to win this game. Uh, I, I like DTR. I like for them to bounce back in this game. And I know Stanford got USC's uh, head coach fired in Clay Helton, and I know <laughs> they're at home. Uh, but I am going to rock with the Bruins in this one. Yeah, I agree. I uh, we were talking about it over the break. I do still really like DTR. I like UCLA, and I don't. I don't really believe in Stanford. I mean, they got blown out by Kansas State, so I'm gonna go with the Bruins. Yeah, it's, it's still so hard to gauge. These are two teams that we need more information on, right? There's a couple yeah. teams out. Not a couple. There's a lot of teams out there that we still need more information on. And this is one where 
We'll begin to compile more. Of course, these two teams in opposite divisions. Stanford with a chance to get 2-0 in conference play and beat the two South opponents that they'll have played. UCLA lost last week because of their defense, not because of their offense. They're still running the ball effectively. Nothing nothing that I've seen so far through the first three weeks about UCLA, including last week, tells me that they won't be able to run the football easily on Stanford. Stanford giving up 210.7 rush yards per game. What does UCLA do very well? Run the football. And they don't have to throw the ball more than 25 times a game to make an impact in the passing game either. I think UCLA is going to be able to score. The question is, can they stop Stanford? And honestly, they may not have to stop Stanford. Maybe Stanford will stop themselves. We've seen that over the years. I'm going to take UCLA on the road. Four and a half point line does scare you a little bit, but I am going to take UCLA in this one as well. Nebraska at number 20, Michigan State, 6 p.m. FS1. This is the one that I'm afraid of. Look, Nebraska might have been competitive against Oklahoma, and they might be good with Adrian Martinez at the helm. They might be efficient. But after seeing what Michigan State has done so far this season, I am going to rock with them at home. Like you said, this one does concern me a little bit just based on how competitive Nebraska's been. The line is what scares me the most is that it's at five. That is close compared to what we've seen out of Nebraska at this point, a team that lost by eight to Illinois. And then, of course, they lost by seven to Oklahoma. But that eight-point loss to Illinois did not feel like an eight-point loss. It felt like two touchdowns. Yeah. I I, I will say, though, with, with Michigan State, I mean, they're firing on, on all cylinders right now offensively yep. with uh, Peyton Thorne and then Kill- Kenneth Walker III, the running back. I believe he leads the nation in rushing yards right now. I might be wrong on that. May need to go. May need to go uh, He's got 493, I, I would imagine. <laughs> really talented offense there. Mel Tucker getting it done right now. I'm going to take the Spartans to win at home, even though I don't feel fantastic about it. Yeah, you, you took everything I wanted to say there, Lance. Spart- Sparty's going to roll. I really like Kenneth Walker. He's been a delight. Peyton Thorne, I'm actually really surprised to see. He's got nine touchdowns and no interceptions. I don't think no, I, I don't think you have to read too much into Nebraska losing by seven to Oklahoma. I think that was more of a bad performance by OU. Sparty wins. I'll take Michigan State in this one also. I don't feel great about it. It, it just feels like blustery nature of college football. Somebody's going to drop one this weekend that shouldn't, that I have not picked. Like, I got Iowa State winning. I got UCLA winning. I got Michigan State winning. One of those three teams will probably lose that I did not expect to lose, but I'll take Michigan State at home. Number 25, Kansas State at Oklahoma State. Believe it or not, Oklahoma State is six-point favorites over the ranked Wildcats coming into this game, even though Oklahoma State has struggle-bust their way to 3-0. 6 p.m., ESPN+. And it's because the Wildcats are without their starting quarterback, Skylar Thompson. He was injured, and uh, their backup played against Nevada last week. I'm going to take Oklahoma State to win this game at home. It's simply because Skylar Thompson, who is a pretty decent quarterback, was not on off to a great start this year, but he's out, and I trust Oklahoma State and uh, Mike Gundy to get it done at home. After seeing what they did against Boise State, who I think is a good team, on the road, I think they'll win against a, a 3-0 Kansas State squad here. Yeah, I'm going to go with that, too, for the same reason Skylar Thompson being out. I think Spencer Sanders is going to be improved this year for Oklahoma State, and they're at home. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Pokes. I don't think Spencer Sanders is the guy playing for Oklahoma State this year. He will, he did play. So, in the game against it's Illingworth, against Boise, he did he did start and play. Sanders did. He was 5 of 12 for 79 yards. But Ugh. I think he that does. Is bad. I think he does bounce back. He played against Tulsa as well. One touchdown, one pick, 157 yards. I think he, I think he, as the season goes on, he will get better. <laughs> it's Tulsa. They're awful this year. They, they lost to an FCS team. They're they, 0-3. They did hang with Ohio State. Still, oh! <laughs> that is an indictment on Ohio State, I think. Um, 
I'm going to still go with Kansas State in this one. I still like it. So I'm picking differently than you guys on a lot of games. You were, you were going on the line here. You're in, you're in last in our picks, and you're, you're, you're making a move for first. That's right. I like what they did last week against Nevada. Nevada's a good football team. 38-17 to win. Did it to them at home. I know they're on the road here, but quarterback play wasn't uh, it wasn't an issue for them last week. 7 for 10, 123 yards, one touchdown. Here's the thing. You know that Deuce Vaughn is going to get the football. You know that he's going to get it. Question is, can you stop it? I'm going to trust the knowns with Kansas State, with Deuce Vaughn, and the fact that I believe that they're an all-around good football team over Oklahoma State at this point that can't seem to score against anybody that they play. This one's going to be a fun one, though. I just don't know where the six points are coming from at home. That's a lot. That is a lot. Tennessee at number 11, Florida. This is a lot, too. 19-point favorites are the Gators, and they may cover every single little bit of it. 6 p.m. ESPN. Only five wins in the swamp for Tennessee ever. They're 1-15 in 15 since 2005 against Florida. Florida's going to win this game. Don't want to say by a million, but I think they're going to win pretty handily. Yeah, Gators, easy. Gators, easy. But then again, if they struggle to throw the football, Tennessee can score, I think. I think they can, yeah. This will be a little bit of a test for Florida on the defensive side of the football and a bit of a measuring stick as well for Tennessee on the offensive side of the ball. Let's see. we got another two minutes left. We'll keep going through some picks here. Kentucky at South Carolina at 6 p.m. ESPN2. This one is a game that scares me because I, I know it was against Georgia's backups and late in the game whenever it didn't matter, but there were there were throws to to receivers that South Carolina's quarterbacks made and completed where it was both a great throw and it was just a fantastic play the, by the receiver. They've got a couple of studs, South Carolina does. I saw flashes of Beamer ball there. I, I think the offense in the future is definitely going to be a lot of fun. Matchup predictor has South Carolina 56% to win. I really think that this is a toss-up game. Really? So you're down on the Wildcats right now. After seeing the way they, they played against Chattanooga, and I think that's the reason why ESPN's FPI feels that way. I am still going to rock with Kentucky and Will Levis, though. I think this offense is going to be able to get it done. But this is, I think, going to be a very, very close game. And the, and the article that I wrote on Auburn Wire, I think this is going to be low scoring, and I literally had the game 21-20 Kentucky. Yeah, I thought we established in the last pick segment that ESPN FBI knew nothing. That was what you said, right, Noah? <laughs> that is true. That Go is cats. true. Yes, I, I like that. Putting your stamp on it. Give me Kentucky also. Last game here, Oklahoma hosting West Virginia, fourth-ranked Sooners, 17-point favorites. Gosh, I want to see an upset here, but I'm going to take the Sooners. Even though the Sooners have not been playing great, again, would love to see an upset here. Don't feel great about it. If this was in Morgantown, maybe. Maybe. Very much so, maybe. I'd really have to think about it, but Sooners win at home. Yeah, I agree with that. If, uh, if it was in Morgantown, maybe, yeah. Sooners are going to win. Which I was the one who said if it was in Morgantown, maybe. It's not in Morgantown. Boomer Sooner, they get the win. On the other side of this break, we got Scott Bagwell, Auburn High School play-by-play announcer with us. Stay tuned. Back on the line, Lance Dahl, Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Just hanging out here on a beautiful Friday afternoon. The weather, by the way, just want to throw that that out there. For the past two or three days, it's been phenomenal. It's, yeah, it has. And then Excellent you, fall weather. You look at the forecast, though, up ahead, There, it, it, it's, it's the fake fall that's coming up here. 
in, in September. There are some 88 degree temperatures that are that are on the horizon. Still working on getting Scott Bagwell, Auburn High School play-by-play announcer, here on the show with us. But uh, in the meantime, while we're working on getting him on the phone line, Lance, you had some cool numbers to point out to us about that Auburn Georgia game that Spectre brought up I, on yesterday's show. I did, and they're in my backpack. Let me get them. But essentially, <laughs> what I was saying. Um, what I was saying yesterday with Specter is he brought up the fact that Georgia ten, ten, uh, has a tendency to lose in the middle of the year, right? Somewhere between the sixth game. He said that, I believe he said over the past 10 years, Georgia lost the sixth game like five or six times uh, out of the year. And I'll go ahead and get them. But point being... And, and that, that sixth game, and that, with the statistics that he brought up and then what you're about to share, I find it fascinating that that is that that is the case i don't know if that's why auburn moved it there but it it is an interesting trend that we've seen out georgia point being it is it is very much so a trend and i want to go through here from 2011 to 2020 in 2011 these are the games that georgia lost games one and two right but games six seven and eight were were decided by one score in 2012 they did lose game six and games five and seven were decided by one score in 2013 Georgia lost games six and seven. Games three, four, and eight were all decided by one score. 2014 is really the lone outlier here. They lost game two, um, and they no other games in the middle of the pack of the schedule were decided by one score. 2015, they lost games five and six. Game seven uh, was decided by one score. 2016, they lost games four and five. Games two, three, and seven were all decided by one score. 2017, they only lost game 10 uh, in, in the regular season. That was to Auburn. Go figure. 2018, they lost game seven. 2019, they lost game six. 2020, they lost games four and six. Game five was a 14 to three final score, and game seven was one score. So there is very much so almost every single year a track record of either Georgia win or losing rather game six or losing the games around them. And even if they do lose game six, they struggle in the games surrounding uh, that 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 number six game. So fascinating stuff from Spectre and I had to I had to uh, go and check for myself and it's just wild that if that's one of the reasons why Auburn rescheduled to the middle of the season not only just to get away from Alabama and Georgia and Amen corner at the end of the year but also to see let's put them in a spot where they traditionally have not played well phenomenal move if that's what they if indeed were yeah it, it'd be pretty cool if it was but I, I doubt it but still the statistics and this in this the history truly reflects the Georgia struggles middle of the year. We're going to head to the phone lines now. We were able to get Scott Bagwell, Auburn High School play-by-play announcer here with us on the line. Scott, appreciate you taking our call today. Yeah, how are y'all doing today? We're doing really well, my man. And uh, a game that was originally not set to be a home game. It is a home game here on the Plains. Auburn hosting Bob Jones tonight. This should be a fun one. It's not often that you get to see 7A versus 7A in non-region play. Yeah, they tried to. We tried to get the game last year. Um, moved around a couple of different weeks before it ultimately got uh, canceled due to COVID, um, and then had to play schedule shuffle again this year. But finally, uh, two teams are squared to play off. Uh, should be a whole lot of fun here tonight as Auburn's kind of their last tune-up before the uh, the end of the year kick. Take me through last week's forty to seven win over Jeff Davis. Uh, you know. Offensively played well, over 400 yards, uh, the best offensive output point-wise of, uh, or uh, yard-wise of the year. Um, had some uh, sloppiness uh, in in one or two plays that probably took away 14 points. 
a lot of penalties early. Defense was uh, was as good as as, uh, as, as as defense has been all year long, flying around the ball, forced, I think, three turnovers, held uh, Jeff Davis to under 50 yards passing. So uh, defense played well. Special teams was a little bit sloppy for the first time all year long in offense. Two plays away or so from uh, from putting up a bunch of about two more touchdowns. Five games into this season, Clyde Pittman with another good football game. They're on the road in Montgomery. What are you seeing out of the quarterback in his development? Last two weeks, he's got seven touchdowns, no picks, completion percentage up around seventy percent. Um, I think he's starting to settle in, and that's big because next week is the game against Central, and to beat Central, you're going to have to have good quarterback play teams know that Auburn's going to run run the football. So for Auburn to be able to win, and when Auburn was able to beat Central last year twice, it was because they got really good quarterback play and were able to get explosive plays. Something Auburn's still kind of looking for is, is how to get explosive plays out of the pass game. Um, and, and you're starting to kind of see that uh, start to creep in. We saw a 50-yard touchdown two weeks ago. Uh, saw some big plays in, in – not necessarily throw the ball downfield plays, but you know, throw the ball to receiver who's open underneath and let him go run for 20, 30 yards. Of course, last week you were playing Jeff Davis. They're winless still on the year, but I want to know, are you seeing this team improve on a week-to-week basis? And I don't want people to take that the wrong way. They're fi- Auburn's 5-0. and they're, they're doing great. They're one of the best teams in the state, but I know we've been talking about chemistry and gelling on a week-to-week basis. Is this team getting better? Yeah, um, you know, both tackles last week had 10-plus pancakes. Um, uh, the offensive production is starting to get there, starting to get higher and higher. First-team offense hasn't had a turnover um, since the Prattville game, which has been two-plus games now. So, uh, yeah, no, team chemistry is starting to get there. Defense is starting to flow. Uh, and, there's, you know, they're still missing their best player on the defensive side of the ball, who's, who's hoped to be back this week, we'll see. Um, but if not, he'll be back for sure for the Central game, and that's Powell Gordon. So uh, the defense is putting up big numbers without their best player. It's not often that Auburn's gotten to really play a whole lot at home this year. What's it going to be like being in Duck Sanford for uh, for the first time in a couple of weeks? It's senior night, too, so um, it's a big night tonight. Uh, hopefully everybody shows out. It should be a beautiful night for football. Uh, hopefully everybody comes out. And, you know, just be at home and – Enjoy the environment. There's a game at home again uh, at down on the plains tomorrow as well. So, you know, if you want to see back-to-back football nights, should be a perfect weather for it here tonight. Hopefully the fans show up and come out and support this senior class who's done a whole lot for this football program. Looking at Bob Jones, they are 2-2 two and two on the year, but close losses in their other two games. Lost by one to Buckhorn and then lost in overtime to James Clemens in a region game. They're 2-1 and one in their region. What are you seeing out of Bob Jones? Good quarterback play. Um, they got they got a really good quarterback, athletic quarterback, can make arm, uh, plays with his arms and his legs, and he makes the offense go. Defense can give up some yards and give up some points uh they're they're, i'm expecting if if bob jones is going to get a win tonight it's probably going to have to be a shootout because uh you know i think auburn's offense is going to be able to get some points the question is is how does how does this auburn defense handle the run game and handle the quarterback run game the two big plays that dothan got and jeff davis got now that's just two big plays in two weeks both out of the quarterback run game interested to see how auburn Stops their quarterback run game tonight because next week, Caleb Nix, uh, he's not necessarily, he's not like all world athlete, but he's not a statue either. He is a good athlete. 
Um, and, and Auburn's going to have to be ready for a quarterback run next week as well. Is this the case where Bob Jones is better than the record? No, no. I honestly I couldn't tell you. Um, you know, when I watched their game with James Clements, you know, they, that could have gone either way. Um, James Clements is ranked in the state, undefeated, uh, top ten in the state. Yeah, undefeated. Um, and, but the issue is, is basically just with everybody right now that's in that seven A Huntsville region, uh, rightly or wrongly, they don't get a lot of respect because they don't win a lot in the playoffs. On the flip side, they don't win a lot in the playoffs because they're going against Thompson, Hoover, Oak Mountain, you know, Mountain Brook when they were in 7A, Hewitt, Trustville, Spain Park, all those teams that have had a long history of winning or even a long history of recent winning. So that's just kind of the stigmatism on there. And I know Bob Jones would love to come down here in a game against Auburn, a team that should have won a state championship last year, the number three team in the state, a team that's playing IMG Academy at the end of the year. They'd love to come down here, get a win, stick that feather in their cap, and then go and go uh, back up to the northern part of the state and say, "Hey, that wasn't so tough." What's the key matchup in tonight's ball game? Uh, it's, uh, to me, I think it's going to be the Auburn offensive line against this defensive line for Bob Jones. If Auburn, the offensive line, which looks like they're starting to get some stuff done, looks like they're starting to gel, looks like they're ready to go. Uh, if they're able to, to move the line of scrimmage four or five yards back, which is what we have seen this line be able to do at times, uh, I don't I don't know how much Bob Jones is going to be able to, to get stops if, if Auburn's able to run the ball just down their throat. Now, I know last year's game was a forfeit. Is I know this was supposed to be a home-and-home. Home. Is this it? Will these two teams play again next year? No. Uh, I think, well, you know, they'll have to discuss it, but there is nothing that's on the books or, in the, or contract in the works. For this to be uh, to, for this to be um, continued in the next year, I think Auburn um, and, and really probably even Bon Jones probably looking to play somebody where they don't have to travel four hours. Scott, looking at some other games going around high school football tonight. There's a big one in this local area. Opelika is yeah. going to Central, and that's got to be a big point for Auburn there, or at least a help for Auburn that Central's going to have to play a really physical game against Opelika. You've gotten to see Opelika. I'm sure you've gotten to see a little bit of Central up to this point. What, what, what are kind of your expectations for that football game, and what are you hoping to learn after tonight about the Central Red Devils? Well, looking even more into that, it's last week Enterprise, or Central had to go down and play a physical football game with Enterprise. So and it was Central close. Has to go, yeah, I mean, Enterprise is a good football team. It goes Enterprise, Opelika, Auburn for Central. Um you know, I think Opelika's defense is going to give them a chance. Can they spread the ball around enough, and can they move the ball enough against the central defense to give themselves a shot? Central, I think, has won five straight in the series. Uh, but Central's done that to a lot of teams because they've been so dominant in the last four to five years. Uh, you know, Opelika, they're in a weird spot because their region is really bad. However, they're very good. And, and to be ready for the playoffs, they're going out and they're playing some people. They're playing Central. They're playing Auburn. They're playing Callaway, who won a state championship out of Georgia. They're making sure that they're battle-tested because that's a team that wants to to make a run in the playoffs. And and I think a big step for the Bulldogs to be able to make a, make a run in the playoffs and make a run at a state championship is to be able to go on the road and beat a good Central team. Um, and, and I know people say 6A, 7A. That doesn't really mean a whole lot. It's just kind of numbers of kids in the school. Uh, Opelika's talented, Central's talented, and you know the more that you have to put on film against a good team, 
the more you're going to learn, uh, you know, what weaknesses and strengths the team have. So that's something Auburn will get a, an advantage of, of seeing from Central um, here tonight. But uh, but the other flip side is is the Central and Auburn coaching staff, they know each other. They, play, they Even though they were at different schools, this Auburn coaching staff coached against Pat Nix at Oxford last year for the most part. So, you know, they know each other. They know the scheme. They know the players. Um, you're going to sit in there and do stuff all week. But on Friday night, the next week's matchup for Auburn, Auburn uh, Central isn't going to be won because something that they see on film here tonight in the Opelika game. It's going to be won because of the kids that are executing out on the field. You know, I know you don't have the Central schedule in front of you, or at least I would assume that you don't, so I won't fault you for this, but Central's also got to play Prattville after the Auburn game. I mean, what a run of yeah. games right there. I mean, the meat of this schedule Enterprise, Opelika, Auburn, Prattville, it's going to test the physical metal of this Central team. Um, so there, there's a lot to look at there for the Red Devils moving forward. Yeah. Scott, keys to the yeah, game tonight against Bob I'm Jones? Assuming there's, assuming there's a bye week in there. What was that, Noah? Uh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think after that, that Prattville game, I think there's a bye week in there for, for Central. They'll get all the answers that they need to know going into, that playoff, going into the playoffs. And they have an off week to be able to get ready and get everything lined up for them to make the playoff push. Because uh, I think regardless of who wins the Auburn Central game, people in the state think it's going to be Auburn Central showdown number two in the Final Four. There's there's a handful of teams in the southern part of 7A that had something to say about that. According to uh, our, you know, UNI's favorite website, ahsfhs.org, uh, Central will have a bye week before they go on the road to play Oxford on October 28th which is uh, that, that's going to be interesting to see them play at the end of the year there too. Uh, still playing some tough competition right before they get into the playoffs. Yeah, and, you know, that's something that Coach Nix has done. He got there and, you know, they, there was some COVID uh, stuff last last year and uh, in two days he was able to get a game with Hoover uh, worked up. That was the first game that he got scheduled. So uh, Pat Nix has shown that he's not afraid to go out and play people. And, you know, in high school football, why not go out and play the best and, and find out how good you are? Scott, before I let you get out of here, I know uh, basketball season is not that far around the corner. I know we're still here in football season, but of course you're an assistant on the basketball team. Uh, what do things look like here this early on? You know, for Auburn, it's going to be um, it, it's going to have to be getting guards to rebound. Uh, we lost a lot from last year, bunch of seniors on that Final Four run, um, and we got to replace a whole uh, a bunch of them. Um, the other thing is, is we're going to have to deal with not having the height and the wingspan that we had last year. And the other thing is, is we got four or five football players uh, who are supposed to be on our team that are playing, and we're not going to get them until hopefully until December. So um, it, it's going to be a big learning curve early, having to learn to play with a shorter bench, not having the 12, 13 players available for us to rotate in at will. Um, and the other thing is, is some of our guards are going to have to learn how to go down and rebound and get rebounds before we can go out and run. We still want to run. We're just not going to be able to do it as we did last year. Going to have to do it a little bit differently. Scott, I appreciate it, my man. Tell everybody where they can listen to the broadcast tonight. Wings 94.3. Uh, if you're in the area, wingsfm.com wings, uh, and the Wings 94.3 app. And uh, if you're old school and have the radio dial, just turn in to turn in tune in to 94.3. Uh, pre-game 6:30 kickoff at seven. Hey, and radio's the best way, my man. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Y'all have a good one. That was Scott Bagwell, Auburn High School.
football play-by-play announcer hope he has a great call tonight once again check out all the action beginning at 6 30 on our sister station wings 94-3 auburn in action tonight not a region game against bob jones it may not be a region game but it will be a fun football game as two seven-day schools collide we're gonna head to a quick break here and wrap up the show when we come back Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Four minutes left in the Friday edition of the show. Hope everybody has an excellent weekend out there. And uh, for the folks coming into town, welcome back to the Plains for another home game as the Auburn Tigers take on Georgia State tomorrow. Lance, this is the last game that we have not picked. And of course, we're going to pick it against the line because it's at 27. But Auburn, Georgia State, tomorrow, 3 p.m., SEC Network, worst time slot in yes it's the worst. it is literally the worst one what am i supposed to do I, i'm gonna miss part of the 11 a.m games i'm not gonna get to finish them and then i'm gonna miss the beginning part of the night games and then and there's nothing really that fun at 2 30 other than texas a arkansas tomorrow but like we'll, come we'll on. miss the whole game yeah this is tough this is tough 3 p.m and, and what did i tell you before that game got put at 3 p.m i said as long as that doesn't go at one of the worst time slots like 1 p.m or 3 p.m i'm good where did it go at the worst one 3 p.m but predictions for tomorrow give me some stuff i think that auburn is going to go out there and as we mentioned earlier in the week georgia state's rush defense while it may be one of their one of the strengths of the team if they if they have a strength right now it it, it's not going to look great against jarquez hunter and tank bigsby and sean shivers is back don't forget that i think auburn's going to go out there control the pace run the ball to their heart's content I think they're – will they work on some stuff with the receiver? Sure. But I'm really looking to see if Auburn actually goes out there and just dominates on the ground. Uh, I think Auburn goes out there uh, defensively. I think they're able to shut down what Georgia State wants to do with the spread option. Uh, I don't think this is game, this game is going to be a, a blowout as much as the first two games of the season with the cupcakes. I'm thinking like a 49-14 to 14 type of win here for Auburn. What's the over under on this game? Twenty. Oh, over under. Uh, I'd have to go pull it, pull it up. The spread is twenty seven, as you mentioned earlier. Which I thought it was at twenty eight earlier in the week, but I could be wrong on that. If one of y'all can find me the over under, because if if I remember, uh, it was something that you were looking at. It would be like thirty eight to eight or something like I've that. Would be the score to su- for the score to suffice the spread and the over under fifty seven is what I yeah. what I'm seeing. Okay, that's much higher than what I originally saw. Okay, well then never mind. I take that back. Yeah, I think Auburn covers here um i don't think that this is a good georgia state team at all and whether or not it was joking or not earlier this week there was some bulletin board material there was uh, i think that there that uh, even if it was a joke and even if Auburn did take it as a joke i think you kind of still have to go and do something about it right. you know what i mean <laughs> and, uh, and i think Auburn's going to do something about it yeah you can't allow a team that says stuff like that even joking it's like well we're going to go out there and handle business as we should and also i do want to throw out there georgia state has beaten an SEC team recently, uh, and I'm not saying that that's, that's truly worth a whole lot in this matchup because I don't think they match up well with Auburn. Does Tennessee qualify yeah, say as the, an SEC the team? mighty Tennessee is, is that, Volunteers? That, does, does that Tennessee team qualify? I know they ended up in a bowl game that year. They but did go 8-5. At and that five. time, they did not look like an SEC team. <laughs> they were not playing very well, but they did go 8-5. and five. But still, I think Auburn's going to roll in this game, and it could end up being worse than I actually predict. They Who knows? Georgia State... I don't know if they're going to actually be able to either attack the middle of the field or want to attack the middle of the field. Don't know if they have that in their arsenal. Regardless, I think Auburn rolls in this one. 
I think so too. Any bold predictions here before we get out? Ah, it might be a little rocky early. I would say there's part of me that it feels like it might be, but I don't think so. I think they're going to come out gonna, mad. But I'm no, I'm saying it's just, it's not going to be a concern by the end. Like maybe the first couple of drives. I'll say I'll say yeah. either Bigsby or Hunter cracks 200 rushing yards. Ooh, I don't think so. I, I think, think this possible. Could, yeah, it either. is possible 100. They're capable. The only reason why I'm not going there. I think those guys get out of the ball game quicker. You said bold. Come on. I, I, hey, that's fair. That's fair. That is a bold prediction. And that is it for another edition of On the Line, another week of On the Line. We'll be back with you on Monday. Same time, same place. You know where to find us.